morning. Today I am going to talk about the practice of reciting the Buddha's name. In the Wan Buddhism scriptures, the founding master Sotasan indicated that there are six items of mindfulness in daily practice. Item five is to practice reciting the Buddha's name, Namu Amitabha, or to sit in meditation to cultivate the mind. Chanting Namu Amitabha translates to returning to the limitless life within ourselves. I wanted to reflect on the reason why we are asked to repeat this specific phrase as part of our daily meditation practice. The scriptures suggest that this type of chanting is a form of meditation that is equal in value to sitting meditation. However, it might be more useful to do when your mind is more unsettled or when there are a lot of outside disturbances. Reverend Yu has said, chanting meditation, similar to moving meditation, should be done when the thoughts that arise in your mind are like large rocks. However, when your mind is more settled, such as in the morning or evening, sitting meditation would be more appropriate to sweep away the finer grain thoughts. The scriptures suggest not to not do anything that would disturb your spirit during your free time. Surely chanting does less to disturb your spirit than some of our idle distractions, such as scrolling through the news on our phone, especially if it's doom scrolling, which if you haven't learned that expression, is obsessively looking for bad news. It is sometimes even more disturbing when we go on social media on Facebook or Twitter, we feel drawn into the conversation to either agree or disagree with the online conversation. For me, it is very disturbing to read about a political statement that I don't agree with. Sometimes uh, I can't believe that my friends or family members can make certain statements. Even when we are sitting still, and not using our electronic devices to read articles or to look at social media, our mind can drift to unpleasant or pleasant thoughts about our past or our future. Chanting by itself prevents your spirit from being disturbed by these outside turbulences or from being caught up in the trivial. The scriptures also recommend doing things to calm your mind during action. If you were, for example, driving a car, you might like to chant to center your mind during that activity. Right now, when, well, when I wrote this piece, I couldn't chant and write at the same time. Um, instead, I was writing with my favorite radio station on in the background. This was perhaps cutting into my single-pointed concentration and might not have been the right thing to do. Yet again, as the scriptures say, even if things, uh, if, if things seem to be calming me down while I'm doing them and I'm working well without much effort, then it's probably okay. We may sometimes ask, how is it harmful to let your mind drift to something favorable in the past 
or future, especially if it's an escape from something unpleasant that is happening in real time in your life. Perhaps it's not harmful, but it might delay you from attending to the unfavorable stimulus directly. We don't always have the luxury to daydream about good things when life is moving fast around us. More often than not, in our busy, technologically-centered lives, we need to respond well to the stimuli that is right in front of us or that which is bubbling up from inside of us. I therefore understand the value of chanting in general, but would like to question why we are asked to chant this particular phrase. My question relates to how Wan Buddhism seems to take pains to step away from the superstitious and the magical and move toward the practical and the everyday. Two examples of this come to mind. Reverend Yu told us about the parents who came to the Wan teacher to ask whether they should make money offerings to the enshrined Buddha to help them in their dealings with their daughter. The teacher responded to them by saying, why don't you make your offering directly to your daughter instead, since she is a living Buddha? Also, within the context of today's topic, the scriptures say that that it is less useful to chant to an embodiment of the Buddha outside of ourselves and is better to instead chant to the Buddha nature within ourselves. So I can make some guesses why this suggestion is made. When we chant the Heart Sutra or the Ilwan Song Vow, we repeat the words so often that they become second nature to us. Then when situations arise that are applicable, I personally find certain lines bubbling up in my consciousness. In another Dharma talk, one of the teachers had said chanting sutras was especially necessary when people were in the past, when they were illiterate, because having the phrases memorized was the only way to carry them around with them in the palm of their hand. So the process of chanting imprints the essential information relating to the core of the teachings within your own nervous system, so that perhaps even unconsciously, the meaning becomes more ingrained. The phrase Namu Amitabha is not as hard to remember as a page-long sutra. Still, by repeating it into our memory, we have this phrase, too, readily at our disposal. Perhaps it might make uh, more of an impact for us if it was in English, as an English speaker, but we all can remember what this means, uh, even in another language. So is repeating this phrase meant to be a constant reminder that this is the core of our practice? On the other hand, is this phrase meant to have some power in and of itself? I think that in other strands of Buddhism, the phrase itself is meant to cause the beneficial change. with my limited understanding of Pure Land Buddhism, I think that's how that is meant to work. So is this just a legacy from the previous tradition that might be rooted in magical power or superstition? In one of the breakout groups 
in my Wan Buddhism canon class uh, with the Wan Institute. Other practitioners have heard me struggle with some of the invisible aspects of our practice. In most cases, it is easy to trace the why basis of the principles and actions of our practice. The fourfold grace, I can understand very well. The threefold path, got it. The essential dharmas of daily practice are easy to understand. However, it is not as easy to understand the value of chanting a particular phrase into the dharma realm. I know that in other religious traditions, the word itself is the core of the faith. In Genesis of the Christian Bible, one of the five books of the Torah, it says, in the beginning there was the word. Now maybe the word here means the thought put into words. Nevertheless, I also know that reciting the word of the creator in certain situations is meant to bring comfort and protection. As Catholics, we were taught that using Jesus' name can protect us from evil spirits. I don't know if that is a legacy and an outmoded way of thinking or if it's a real thing. I will tell you this, though. When I was having a nightmare a few weeks ago, which involved an unsavory being of some sort, I remembered the suggestion to say Namu Amotabu and did so. I don't know if I remembered it at the moment that I um, was waking up into consciousness or if I remembered it during the dream. In either case, it did bring comfort. So maybe I have enough of an imprint of the concept to draw upon it in times of stress. Perhaps unconsciously, I felt that I needed to believe in something to help me in a situation that I felt I could not control. So I wonder if I should fight this tendency uh, that because it does not fit in with my understanding of the visible world, I should reject it. Throughout uh, human history, though, there has always been so much that has been outside of our human control. Crops are dependent on the weather, armies invade, diseases spring up, and my thinking has always been that religion has arisen as a way to protect ourselves from the never-ending vicissitudes of the outside world. Now we rely more on science and technology to bring us safety, order, and comfort. However, our one practice teaches us that our minds are the gateway of protecting ourselves from both internal and external disturbances, and that science and technology, when abused, are more of a crutch that weakens our mind's power. In fact, science and technology themselves arise from the mind, maybe a mind larger than the human mind. So by focusing on the Buddha within ourselves, perhaps we are training ourselves to recognize that we, meaning the deeper we, or our true selves, are the source of well-being and protection in times of trouble. The resulting calm, working together with inquiry and choice and action, changes our lives for the better in both tangible and, un and in untangible ways, intangible ways. Maybe we all would benefit to focus more on the calming presence 
of this eternal life force within ourselves. As far as the concept of the Buddha of limitless life or light within ourselves, uh, where would the characters in Star Wars be without the belief in the Force? That was fiction, but the screenplay was written under consultation with the myth expert Joseph Campbell, who based the, the Force on ideas similar to the limitless light within ourselves. So does that validate the concept when Hollywood and the viewing public have gotten behind the message? Not necessarily, but it, the resonance might point to an underlying truth. Am I above accepting the value of reciting the Buddha's name as an article of faith? Are we reciting the Buddha's name instead of Coca-Cola or some other mundane phrase because it couldn't hurt to say something holy while we are chanting? Does chanting the Buddha's name lead us to more single-pointed concentration? Is reciting the Buddha's name a vestige of the past that cannot be understood through reason? I personally enjoy chanting. At the North Carolina Temple, Reverend Wangong taught us to use the moktak while chanting. A moktak, uh, you, you've heard during today's practice, is a, a hollow wooden carving that is struck with a wooden mallet. So one way to chant is to tap the moktak rhythmically while chanting. I assume that the coordination required to strike and chant might require more single-pointed concentration. Or actually, it might become easier to chant while tapping along. In any case, this, is, this seems to be a basic human activity when you think about how drumming is so basic to many different cultures for both ceremony and for entertainment. Several years ago, I thought it would be fun to tap the Moktok along to some popular songs. Uh, I recorded myself doing a couple Frank Sinatra songs, Luck Be a Lady and All of Me, and I also did Year of the Cat by Al Stewart. Um, we don't have time to show you the clip today, but uh, maybe I can share it with you if you contact me. <laughs> I admit that I was doing this mostly for amusement because I enjoyed contrasting the popular lyrics with the staid formality of chanting. Um, but then I found that even Buddhist monks did this type of thing. You might have seen the YouTube video of a traditional Korean monk chanting to the Beatles' Yellow Submarine on YouTube. If we think about it, isn't popular music filled with chanting? some songs to be one long continuous chant. Of course, uh, the, subject of, the subject matter of these songs can range from being mundane, profane, or sublime. While discussing this with the instructors in the One Buddhism Canon class, Reverend Grace suggested that the phrase itself is less important than the sincerity held while chanting it. Um, she reminded us the story of, of the man who went to the teacher to ask what, was, what he needed to do in order to achieve enlightenment. And the teacher told him to chant a particular phrase. However, the disciple went away from the meeting thinking that the teacher had told him to chant three pairs of sandals. 
So uh, that was not what he told him to say. But even so, when the practitioner chanted the sandals phrase so, so sincerely, he obtained enlightenment anyways in doing that. So what are we supposed to be sincere about while chanting? The great bodhisattva vow is to deliver all human beings from suffering. The Wan Buddhists say that we are doing all of this to return to our true selves, which is another way of saying that we're returning to the eternal light and life within ourselves. Would we be sincerely practicing if we somehow held these thoughts in our mind while we were chanting? Or maybe we are being sincere in our practice simply if we are motivated to chant because we believe this practice will lead us to these ultimate goals. Another participant in our class suggested that regardless of the type of phrase used, the vibrations of chanting have a healing effect on ourselves. The vibrations are a transmission of soothing energy that ripples through us. And I have experienced that. And I can also agree that chanting with others and attuning ourselves to both the sound and the feeling of the others of other people around us for a sustained length of time, such as what we did today, um, makes us feel more relaxed and refreshed. So I'm sure that the physical activity and exertion behind it, combined with proper breathing from the tanjin, also contributes to the healing power of chanting. So in conclusion, even if we are not concentrating on the meaning behind the recitation of the Buddha's name, the fact that we are doing it naturally appears in our conscious thought. So this practice, um, even if it serves as a koan for us, when we wonder why are we reciting the Buddha's name, uh, maybe there's no particular answer to it. But even if these were the only reasons to do it, it might have more value than just reciting a mundane phrase. So I, I think that perhaps chanting is good, but chanting the Buddha's name appears to be even more useful. Thank you.